You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hi, folks, and welcome to Let's Talk Apple, episode 23, the show for July 2015. I'm your host, Bart Bouchotts, and joining me today, I have a panel which is low in number, but high in quality. From about two metres away from me, I'm joined by Bren Finan. Hi, Bren. Hello, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing just fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, for it, I, Irish ISP reasons, Bren is borrowing a cup of internet and I'm hoping it won't cause too much crosstalk on our mics because we are a little closer to each other physically than we probably should be. <laughs> but uh, Victor, if you don't hear anything funny, I don't think the listeners will either. So no, actually, oh, yeah, Victor is our other person. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm the other person. <laughs> so uh, you're a little bit further away than two meters. You are one ocean and a continent away. Man, we should have figured out how many meters that was before we started. <laughs> I, I would say two geographical body masses. It's about 3,000 kilometers because I had to look this up when I was doing a podcast about Pluto with Alison Sheridan, and I can tell you you're four Plutos away. Okay, that puts me in a whole new perspective. <laughs> <laughs> it's an odd unit of measurement, the Pluto, but there you go. So let us talk about the Apple News for July 2015. Um, first off, let's just start with some... I call it notable numbers in the show notes, but basically some statistics and facts that are interesting and noteworthy. Um, the first one is sort of about sort of describing where Apple's priorities lie. So some people decided to benchmark which of the three main browsers you can use on OS X are the most battery friendly. And the good news is that the winner is Safari. Uh, the bad news for Google is that the loser is Chrome and Firefox is in the middle. And the difference is about an hour. So a little over five hours for Chrome and six and a half hours for Safari, which is significant, I would say. That's yeah. substantial, yeah. Um, I, know, I know there was a recent hoo-ha or some developer at some conference said that Safari was the new IE and the whole world exploded. Uh, I, I think this sort of is a slight counterpoint to that because that chap was complaining that Apple aren't rushing to implement new features, whereas it would seem to me that Apple are rushing to give users the best experience, which is probably better. Yeah, you know, for me, Chrome is um, because I don't have to install Flash, I kind yeah. of default to it. Um, it. It's just one of those things, you know, but I do like Safari and when I see some numbers like this, in some of the upcoming things in El Capitan, which maybe will improve this, um, man, it just makes me wish that somehow uh, I didn't have to use Chrome just because of the n not having to install Flash. Well, I, 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 I use Chrome as my Flash browser. If I've got something I need in Flash, I launch Chrome. Otherwise, it's Safari all the way. I do, Maybe, yeah. I do something similar, and it's actually the Internet is becoming quite Flash-free hmm. If your browser offers it, a lot of websites will fall to it and use HTML5 as a fallback, which I wish they'd invert that logic. Mm -hmm. But if you go to the same sites without Flash, a lot of them will actually work. I heard something, and I don't know if it's true, but I'm just going to throw it out there, that in Safari, if you go to developer mode and you make it think that you're on Chrome, that perhaps that works. I haven't tried it myself, but... Mm, you know, makes one wonder. It's not something I've experimented with, but that is 
Yeah, that is an age-old trick to to make servers treat browsers as you wish. Mm-hmm. Change the yeah. Hmm. But anyway, I, I just think it, it's it's a nice little number to show that Apple is putting a lot of energy into Safari, and they they deserve some credit for that. I think. Yeah, and more to the point, into keeping Safari trim and and doing what browsers are supposed to do, rather than bloated and doing what developers want browsers to do. The second number that caught my eye, um, because again, there are rumours about televisions this month, and I don't do rumours, so we're not going to talk about the rumours really. But there is some television-related reporting from the Wall Street Journal, which is a graph showing the rate of change of hours spent watching TV since 2010 by age group. And the... 50 to 64-year-olds are the only ones who kept approximately constant being down 1%. But everyone else is down 10, 20, or even 30%. And the millennials, the 18s and 24s, are down almost a third at 32%. These kids don't spend enough time watching TV. Wait a (laughs) second. (laughs) Okay, so I'm in... My wife and I are both in the... uh... 50 and above range. I'm 55. And, um, you know, we watch less TV than we ever have, you know. So I guess maybe I'm an edge case if you look at these numbers. Um, We, you know, do use Netflix, Amazon Prime. Those services are providing especially good original content. Now, we did try wire cutting, you know, cutting the wire Mm -hmm. totally, and it wasn't for us. So we definitely are still leaning towards real TV, if you will. Um, but certainly we're nowhere near where the millennials, I mean, they don't even consider that as uh, an alternative these days. They just watch their content on the internet, period. Well, what's interesting to look at is is, is where the attention is going because, like, it, the idea of, of watching content is even slipping a bit and the, the kind of flavor of the month at the moment is Snapchat. Mm-hmm. And it's I've, I've seen a couple of articles online that have made a surprisingly good case that Snapchat is the current big threat to uh, TV companies who want to get kids watching more TV. I'm not sure you don't buy that. But. Well, it's, I mean, Snapchat probably is going to come and go, but there will probably be similar kind of messaging things. Because you think of the, the great sort of 1990s stereotype of the you know teenage girl spending all day on the phone. Right, so the phone is in trouble, SMS is in trouble, MMS is in trouble, but I'm not sure television quite fits well, in Well, it's, it's, it's about the amount of, of time and attention devoted to one thing versus another. You can't watch TV and Snapchat at the same time, whereas you can watch TV and text at the same time. I think you'll find they can. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right, Bart. I mean, no, they have that skill. <laughs> I think I'm somewhat odd. So about five years ago, by default, I became a cord cutter. Just for financial reasons, I just needed lower bills and I went, TV, be gone. And then last year, I uncord cut because it was a special offer and I got it at basically the same price as not having it for a year. It's like, oh, what the hey, I'll give it a go. The year was up, I got rid of it again. I didn't use it. It just, it's like, oh yeah, I could watch telly. Yeah, but I won't. And it's, you know, I still watch moving images. They're just, none of them are coming from the cable provider onto my television. Everything is onto my iPad through some sort of web-based source. Yeah, we, we've kind of got the same thing at home where we have channels coming into the house, but most of the time I forget they're there. It's like, I want to watch a movie. What's on Netflix? I think the most used channel on my television was always Apple TV. Mm. 
And in Ireland, mm. that means just the stuff that my iPhone can beam to it because we don't have any proper Apple TV content here. And even that gets is what gets used all the time. Yeah, I don't know when the cable slash television providers um, here or abroad are going to finally figure out that we want to be able to do a, you know, kind of a menu-driven uh, system where I could just watch certain shows on HBO or CBS or whatever, and I can just pick and choose and basically build my own playlist of stuff, and I'd be more than happy to pay what that was worth. But, um, you know, like the premium channels here, they're pretty much worthless because they show the same content over and over, and I just refuse to pay that kind of money for that. I'll just rent the movie, you know. Yeah. I think the thing, Victor, is they know you want to do that. They just, they're afraid of what would happen to them if they let you do that. Well, they're going to sit back and they're going to watch what's going to happen to them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, cord cutters are going to eat their lunch eventually and people like me and Mary will eventually cord cut and um, just, that's it, you know, so. Oh, sure. Like, uh, you're going to win. Yeah. We've, see, we've seen this show before. It was the music industry. Mm. They did was much it? better when they stopped resisting. Exactly. Okay. Um, another stat that's worth... I, I don't think we could let it pass without making comment. So there are now more iOS devices per unit sale than there are Windows slash Intel-based traditional PCs being sold per quarter in the world. So, you know, I mean, Android passed this a while ago, quite some time ago, because this is, you know, iOS is the second biggest mobile operating system, but it's still interesting that the iphone is now bigger than the pc market yeah it's it's huge and uh for apple it's actually working to their favor because you know the iphone and devices like it are becoming you know the gateway drug to traditional apple desktops and laptops you know um clearly uh, this is a huge part of their business and the surpassing that doesn't surprise me I, we we should actually say it's related to this. It's it, it's kind of related to a fu- to a future story as well. But mm-hmm. Apple's Mac unit sales continue to grow while the PC market continues to shrink. Yes. So there it's must be a halo effect. I was going to say it's a strong halo coming out from from those nice little iOS devices. Yep. Brian, did you have? Well, I mean, I, I guess the only thing is that it's it's kind of I, – I would see this as inevitable and also the growth of Macs is kind of inevitable because more people these days are buying uh, their own computers. And I think that when when you give people the opportunity to buy their own computers, when it's not the IT staff that's buying, buying the computers, uh, more people are going to go for Macs than a lot of PC fans would like to admit. So BYOD uh, is is doing Apple the world good. I think BYOD and just home computers. I'm trying to remember. There was another. There was another. There's the opposite of BYOD. There's a new buzzword. I'm trying to. I think it's COPE is the acronym. Corporate owned personal something. <laughs> Basically, the company buy you your personal machine instead of your personal machine becoming your company machine. Hmm. Makes it's sense. BYOD in reverse. Anyway, a related story very much. So, okay, iOS is bigger than Windell, but iOS is only 20% of the smartphone market. But Apple's share of the smartphone profit is at 92%. So what do you call a company that, uh, that has 
a definite, absolute, total not monopoly by unit sales and a spectacular monopoly by profit. What is that? Lucky. Brilliant. <laughs> I, I'm with Victor on this one. I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it's not luck. No, it, it's doing what the it, – it's continuing to ignore Wall Street over and over again because at no point do they get it. In fact, they still don't. We'll get to that in the future story as well. That's right. That's right. Um, any other thoughts on this stuff before we move on to just one legal story this month? Let's let's move on then. I just want to put a pin in something. Um, so I have been saying forever and a day that Apple being done for antitrust over eBooks is, if you excuse the phrase, bat excrement crazy. Um, and I've always said that it should be Amazon who was being investigated. Well, I'm not alone in that. Booksellers are now demanding that the US DOJ start an investigation into Amazon's practices. So I hope they have some success. I imagine everyone's in agreement with that. I, I, I don't think you'll find much disagreement with that, except maybe from uh, Amazon. No, I, my take on this is pretty simple. Competition is good. Monopolies are not, in my opinion. So I support any investigation of any company, including Apple, if there is a suspicion of antitrust violations, you know, period. Hmm. I, I, I'm just kind of in awe of the, the, the sort of the genius of Amazon. The obvious monopoly maker asking the DOJ to investigate someone else to completely distract everyone from themselves for five years, it's, it's quite clever. Yeah, uh, not good misdirection, if you ask me. Possibly not. Well, we, we, we shall see how this develops over the next, well, let's be honest, years. This isn't going to go quickly. <laughs> uh, some follow-up to the, the sort of the news that was big news last month. So Apple Music launched last month, and we did talk about it in last month's show, but it continued to make news throughout July, so I just collected together some... Some stories that caught my eye. Uh, a little, a little quick one first. People were a little bit cranky that iTunes twelve point whatever it was, twelve point two killed home sharing, or rather made it disappear. Well, Eddie Q says it might come back. He's not saying it will, but he's saying it, yeah, it might come back. Yeah. So. yeah I think he dropped a, a fat hint, but without actually saying the words. I yeah. Agree. So we shall see. I hope it does come back. It'd be, it's a nice feature. Uh, Apple released iTunes 12.2.1 in the hope of addressing some of the DRM bugs people are experiencing where music was being wrongly counted as iCloud Drive instead of, or sorry, iCloud Library instead of uh, iTunes Match. And apparently it worked for some people, but not so much for other people. So I think they still have work to do. Um, yeah, there were some horror stories with uh, iTunes uh, 12.2.1, uh, including. I mentioned this in Mac Roundtable with my co-host, George Starcher, who, you know, first time he opened the, the new Apple release for iTunes, it basically, you know, messed up his entire library and he rebuilt it. Um, QC, in my opinion, on this one, uh, Apple fell way short. Never mind the bag of hurt that iTunes is already, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Well, it's – I think I think it uh, was on um, uh, TMO or – was it typical Mac? No, not typical Mac user. Who am I thinking of? TMO? The Mac Observer. The Mac, Mac Observer. Observer. Sorry, my yeah. brain is mush this evening. <laughs> Recording podcasts after work is not always a good idea. Uh, but TMO had a picture of the Weasley house from Harry Potter, which is very, very rickety and sort of only held up by magic because it probably <laughs> shouldn't stand by the laws of physics. And that, to me, is iTunes. And the thought of launching their new shiny music service on top of this non-foundation 
Yeah. I think it was nuts, yeah. and I stick by that opinion. iTunes is going from bad to terrible. No, it's going from terrible to worse. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and I'm, uh, I'm escaping. You know, I'm I'm getting out of iTunes. I have uh, been on the search for applications to replace it. I have found a couple of good candidates, and uh, because as I mentioned again in Mac Roundtable, I'm not buying into the Apple Music sphere at all. I just have my music that I own, and that's the music that I want. Uh, and so I'm I'm actively looking, and I found a couple of players that, believe it or not, act more like Winamp than not, are quick, they're folders-based, you know, you can do a lot of things with them, but they're not iTunes. And, so um, what you're saying is they act like iTunes in 2005. Yeah, exactly. And it's just so much bloat, and hmm. I could go on, but I won't. Well, can we look forward to an episode of Articulate where you talk us through your favorites and why? Yes, the, this August episode, I'm going to talk uh, about the two candidates that I have found. Marco Arment also uh, tweeted some about these software as well. So I want to give credit to him. And uh, one of them well, is an alpha program. And uh, the other one is a lookalike of iTunes. Uh, yeah, that, I saw that one. All right. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. He, so, he's, he's also talking about maybe possibly doing something himself as well, which I would buy in a heartbeat. Having so used Overcast for a couple of years, I, I would buy that site on scene. Yeah, so would I, but uh, I can't wait that long. So yeah. uh, we'll talk about it in the show and you guys take a listen uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll expand on my experience so far with those. Yeah, but I guess my, my what's holding me to iTunes is that uh, I didn't pay to have my music upgraded to DRM free. So if I leave iTunes, I lose quite a chunk of my music, which is making yeah. me spectacularly cranky, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I did do that. So that I do have the match still in place. So that that I am paying for, and I'm happy to pay for that because that makes me be able to stream my mu- the music I own on any iOS device. Oh, cool. yeah, of course. Yeah, replacing iTunes on the desktop is only half the problem. Although, yeah. actually, the music app on, on the iPhone is... Horrible. Horrible if you're not using Apple Music. Is it? Yeah, it's you've got the bottom left corner and the, the top right panel... And that's all that belongs to you in the music app anymore. Actually, I just realized that all I've been using is iBooks because I mainly listen to audiobooks and they've been conveniently moved out of music where they never should have been in the first place. Yes. Yeah, now, uh, I just, to iterate on that, on the iOS, if you're not using Apple Music, I mean, you do still have Playlist. You do still have a version of the radio, Beats 1. All mm. of that comes along for the ride, so... You know, on iOS, it's it's not a world of hurt. It does it's, what I need it to. Well, look, you know, I've 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 launched it now. So so what I'm looking at here, I've got in the bottom left, I've got a tab called My Music. Correct. Uh, yes, that's right. Next to that, I've got For You, New Radio, and Connect, which I'm not interested in. You are then st- you have not turned off Apple Music then in in your preferences. Okay. If you have those. Yes. Oh, okay. That's nice. Yeah, because it just dropped all this stuff on me. It's like, look, I'm not going to try a streaming service. I don't care. Uh, exactly. That's the conclusion I came to. So if, if you go to music, the ver- settings, music, the very top menu says show Apple Music. Click that off only and you're good to go. Nice. I th- I'd heard something about that, but I thought it just got rid of the Connect tab. No, no. And in iTunes, you can do the same thing. Again, the caveat and 
I want you guys to listen very carefully <laughs> is that when you go to preferences in iTunes, only unclick show Apple music. Do not unclick iCloud music library. Yeah, no, I, I, I want to keep that. Oh, that's that so was nicer. part of Thank Mr. Darwinpole's problem. If you remember what happened to Jim Darwinpole, that was part of why it happened. Yeah. Okay, that didn't work for me. I still have a connect button. Why do I still yeah, have a connect Yeah, I still have button? connect and I still have radio, which are neither of which huh. I want there. But it's, 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 it's less clutter than but That used to be customizable, that bottom menu, and I had customized it. Okay, well, I'm going to give you one more hint here because there is okay. another way to turn off Connect. <laughs> Go on. Um, I'm wondering where this is. Gosh, I don't want to take up the time. Uh, no, no, me. This, this is tech support now. This is yeah, great. I, th okay. I think this is going okay. to be good for some listeners as well. Gosh, you know, I thought that there was a specific Connect one because I turned that sucker off so fast. Oh, yeah, I know what it was. In iTunes, if you want to turn off Connect... You'll want to go to preferences, parental controls. What? And in parental controls, you can then there um, inhibit uh, Apple Music Connect so it will not show up. Oh, because that makes perfect sense. That, 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 well, it's a workaround, definitely. Now, I'm trying to remember how I did it. And uh, when I had Apple Music on iOS, I believe there was a, an option within the Apple Music app itself because I do not see it under settings music in my iOS device. So I think it was in the Apple Music app itself. You could actually uh, disengage Connect, which is just a bag of hurt. Yes. Anyways, shall we move on? And if any of us happens to find this, <laughs> this menu item, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll chatter to the world. I'm still cranky. that I had rearranged those at the bottom so they were useful to me. This is, this is terrible. Okay, I wasn't cranky because I hadn't used the music app. Now I have. Now I am. Yay! <laughs> I just if someday ask me what what iTunes tagging has done to my music collection, Bart. I'll uh, I'll save that story for another day. But boy, oh boy. Okay, um, an interesting article I came around uh, was someone I should remember the poor chap's name uh, explaining. Actually, I don't think there is a byline. Oh, is this uh, Kirk McElhern? Uh, M. McElhern, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the I've been following him on this recently, actually, because he's been absolutely brilliant on it. Um, but yeah, part of the problem with the the tagging in. Sorry, I'm stealing your story here, Bart. No, 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 but, no. They're uh, not my stories. There's stories for talking about. You're talking. <laughs> yeah. So the, the part of the problem with with uh, songs being mis. Uh, I suppose misplayed when you're listening to Apple Music. Um, like you say, for example, you've bought a live version of uh, Run Donkey Run mm -hmm. by Drake uh, and uh, you press play and you hear the album, studio album version. Uh, that's because evidently um, iTunes has been matching song title and artist name and no other metadata and no kind of audio uh, filtering or profiling whatsoever in order to figure out what's in your music library, uh, which to me is completely bananas. Absolutely. Um, the only reason I can think of why they might be doing it is because it makes the onboarding experience faster. Like, Because you remember when you signed up for iTunes Match, that process took a long time. But frankly, it's no excuse. The, I mean... 
they need to know what music you want to listen to. Like the 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 you know the the system has to work. Yeah, because apparently Apple cares so much about music. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, they love like they music. Don't. Yeah, they, <laughs> they really behave music. like they don't get it. I, I, I just can't imagine. No, I'm going to sound like all the people I hate, but I just can't imagine Steve Jobs saying, "Yes, let's launch this pile of poo." Exactly. Hey, let me put my troubleshooting hat back on. I did find how to do this. Oh. In iOS, you go to general, <laughs> restrictions, and then Wait, you'll have to in, put in... Is this in settings? Uh, yes, settings, settings general, general, restrictions. Right. You'll enter your passcode. Okay. So this really second, is like parental controls. It is, totally. Second item is Apple Music Connect. Slide that to the left. Hang on. Re-enter your restrictions password. Technically, that was a different password, but I've now made it be the same. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, my Guilty. kids will be able to get in. And Apple Music Connect is off. Hurrah. Thank you so much. No, no worries. I will not miss that tab. Oh, it's all empty down there now. Anything I can, can do I to avoid Apple Music? Can I have the tab back, please? <laughs> oh, you too. I've got, now we've just got three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's better, than, it's better than, you know, three I won't use plus one. True. Okay. Thank you, Victor. No worries. Um, there's also in, in the vein of explaining things that people found weird. So Beats won the, the, the episodes, for want of a better word. The shows. Shows. That's it. I knew it was guys, a proper word. Can you hold on a second, guys? I'm so sorry. <laughs> I have painters here and my dog is going nuts. Hold on. Hold on a second, please. No worries. Oh, boy. I may have to edit this show. I've never edited before. Although if we keep talking, I won't have to edit. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> we could do the thing that um, that, that uh, James Allworth used to do on on uh, what's that podcast called? Um, uh, the Stratechery podcast, whatever the name of the podcast is, where any time Ben had to to run off to do something, James would just sit there and monologue. Um, and covered for it quite well the first couple of times. Nobody noticed. Bart, my apologies that you'll have to edit. It's just I have painters right outside the windows. And my doggie's right here with me, and she's a vicious one. So my apologies. <laughs> well, she's guarding your your house like she should. She's doing the right thing, but if you guys hear the dogs, just she's the fourth member today. Yeah, we right, fair enough. Yeah, we need a fourth <laughs> panelist, anyways. Uh, on the topic of explaining things, so we were talking about the the shows, and they're not available as podcasts, and the reason would appear to be my favourite word in the entire world, licensing. And I'm more going into great detail about how there's a subtle difference between having a licence to play something on internet radio and having a licence to stream something and having a licence to podcast something. They're all subtly different, apparently. Uh, so, yeah, if you care, the link is in the show notes, which, by the way, are at letstashtalk.ie. I keep mentioning them. I should give people the link. Um, My eyes kind of glazed over when I was reading that article. It's, um, oh, it's depressing. I hate. I hate how. Well, I mean, I, I kind of get it because because with a podcast, you can actually get your hands on the file, and should you feel, you know, like so inclined to chop up the audio and get yourself copies of the files, it's a silly excuse. It's a silly distinction, but you know, there it is. There are, however, playlists. I don't know if they're official or if they're fan-made, but there are playlists. Oh, no, officially, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So you can recreate the show without the DJ. Yes. Assuming all the songs are in Apple Music. Which they generally are. Yes. Uh, I think so Victor- you get more than that from Kirk McElhern, actually, more recently. Okay. He, he found a playlist that had songs not in Apple Music. 
Um, we should also mention that, of course, Apple Music is leaving the iPod even further behind. You cannot take Apple Music tracks and listen to them on your iPod Nano or basically any iPod that doesn't end in the word touch. What's up with that? Yeah, that's <laughs> crazy. D or M is what this says. Exactly. Oh, boy. That's why I buy my music. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the final thing that I should be men- uh, that we should mention, especially in the context of our earlier discussion, Senator Al Franken has lit- written a letter to the FTC asking them to investigate Apple Music for antitrust concerns. And there is an interesting uh, thing that Apple make everyone else pay thirty percent extra, but they don't make themselves pay thirty percent extra. So that's interesting. So we'll see how that develops if it develops at all. And then the last follow-up is just to say that Apple Pay did launch in the UK like they said it would, and I read no news about it, which I think means it didn't blow up. Yeah, well, there was the HSBC thing, but that was about it. Yeah, they were just delayed. I don't think that was Apple's fault. So let's move into the first of our three big stories for the month, which is, of course, it is. it was a July, therefore there was an earnings call. It was Apple's quarter three earnings call for the financial year 2015, and Apple made all the money. Or rather, it was a record quarter, and Wall Street tanked the Apple stock anyway, because that's what you do on record quarters. And Microsoft announced $2 billion of a loss, and their stock went up, because that's what Wall Street does. Um, I'll give you the numbers and the changes. So revenue, 49, (laughs) (laughs) that's from a while ago, Uh, $49.6 billion, which is up from 37.4 billion last year. That's, that's not a bad rise in profit or in revenue. Profit then has gone, is now at 10.7 from 7.7 billion. Again, quite a nice uh, jump there, which means earnings per share went to $1.85 from $1.28 in the year ago quarter. Uh, I don't really care about that kind of stuff. What I'm more interested in is unit sales. So they Apple sold 47.5 million iPhones, which is up 35% from last year. They sold 10.9 million iPads, which is down 18% from last year. And they sold 4.7 million Macs, which is up 9% from last year. So that iPad slip is continuing. Yes, it is. Tim Cook told us not to panic. He's very bullish on the iPad, but it is a little disconcerting. Not that I'm giving up. (laughs) Yeah, I think it will be interesting... Uh, and I know you don't talk rumors, but if they do come up with an iPad Pro type product, I wonder if that will help these numbers or not. Who knows? Well, I can promise you if they do, that num- the unit sales will go up by one. Two. There we go. So on this panel, 66% of us want a bigger iPad. And in actual fact, I was about to hit buy on an iPad Air 2 yesterday, and then I went, hang on a sec, Bart, you're being a complete moron. It's almost September. Don't do anything. <laughs> Right, and with yeah. iOS 9 and some of the features that they're toting with the higher-powered iPods, excuse me, iPads, um, it's a good chance, I think. Yeah, I, I, I have a feeling that the, the iPad might slip to become kind of a niche product, but really important to the people who are in that niche. Okay, and yeah. we say niche, right? 10.9 million is still more than twice the number of Macs they sell. So Well, okay. Exactly. So it's a niche twice the size of the Mac. So it could be a lot worse. Mm. Uh, 
Apple, what's obviously notably absent from those unit sales is what Apple said would be absent from those unit sales, which is Apple Watch numbers. What they did say without actually giving us any numbers is that Apple Watch is doing very well, thank you. Uh, they did say they sold more than a certain uh, more than a certain dollar amount. Yeah, but you see, this to me is, as Ken Ray would say, fun with numbers without numbers, and I don't like that. Yeah, that's true. It's fun with numbers with a vague suggestion of a number. We yeah. did better than we thought. What did you think? No, I mean, we... I th- uh, he said the, the difference between... Ex- um, what was it? Accessories last year and accessories this year was something like uh, $600 million. And he said, yeah, Apple Watch sales were a lot more than that. Yeah. I mean, that so we have, a, the, we have a lower threshold that we know it was more than. Well, that's revenue, though, which we don't yeah. know how... We oh, yeah, no, we haven't broken out sales or anything like that. This is what I'm saying. A vague hint at a number. A vague hint at a number, yes. Um, I, personally, that's kind of all I care about the earnings call, but does anyone else feel I've, I've, I'm being too flippant about this story? Not really. No. Uh, the only thing I'd say about the, the kind of Wall Street reaction is I guess the, the, the thing of it is you can't just look at the, the buying and selling in in absolute terms. And it's like, sure, Microsoft did badly but they did less badly than wall street was predicting so wall street hung on to their shares and sure apple you know got the sun, sun moon and uh, sun and the moon but but the uh, wall street is complaining but we wanted you to get the sun moon and stars where are the stars and so they you yeah know, I, I, so. I think it's completely backwards that when wall street make a rubbish prediction they blame apple for them being wrong oh sure yeah it's like the weather forecaster you know blaming the hurricane but they don't <laughs> No, that's that's yeah, that's what it's like. Yeah, it, it makes me cranky, and I know I I, I can hear. There's a, a very nice listener called Linda who sends me email whenever I'm naughty, whenever I'm cranky about Wall Street, and also sends Ken Ray email whenever yeah, he's yeah. cranky about Wall Street. I can hear her keyboard going, but I I me and Wall Street, I I don't get it. I don't get it. I think they're all nuts. <laughs> but what do I know? They only killed the world economy. Um, let's... Yeah, I hope you're looking forward to that email. <laughs> yeah, I got, the keyboards are being hit harder now. Um, okay, the, the the big news, I think, in ter- certainly in terms of hardware for July, was that we have, without there being a special event, without there being anything, any sort of fanfare, there is a new iPod Touch. And okay, the update was quite some time in coming. It's quite an update. 500 times better CPU and 900 times better graphics. That's an upgrade. Oh, and colors and things. The colors are quite nice, actually. I like the colors. Still in color. It's great news, and it, it's great to, that they're keeping that that device alive and active. Obviously, they they see the future continuing on that. It's such a great alternative for so many people who don't need the phone function, um, mm-hmm. which is a lot of us even that don't uh, use our iPhones for phones, and uh, gives you a lot of of the flexibility of the latest iPhone without having to pay the big uh, price. So uh, I think it's really good news. It's also a good uh, gateway drug for customers they want to get. Well, there's, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's why it's there. Yeah, and kids, Absolutely. right? You, you don't want yeah. your kids having subscriptions to cell phone carriers and stuff. Exactly. But you might like them have a small handheld computer that's great for gaming and general funness. <laughs> so. Yeah, I was talking to a videographer friend of mine who um, shoots weddings and... Um, what he does is he he'll, he bought like three or four uh, iPod Touches, 
And uh, in order to do better audio, he just puts lavaliers in, into the soup pocket. You know, he puts the iPods into the soup pocket of the people, puts a lav on them, records in real time, and then he's able to sync the audio later with the video uh, without having to buy a bunch of iPhones, which is an awesome idea. That is so clever. Yep. So it's a little brain you just stick onto things and handle it. That's around. what I think. Yep. I like that. Okay, so well, I also have a soft spot for the iPod because the iPhone was very slow in coming to Ireland, so iPod Touches were the only iOS I could get my hands on for a couple of years. So I have very fond memories, although I have to say I, I, there's no room for them in my life anymore because I already have a Mac, another Mac, an iPhone and an iPad, and possibly a bigger iPad soon. So <laughs> I think that's probably sufficient. You're good. You're good. I think I'm good. And an Apple TV. Oh yeah, forgot about forget about that little guy. He's just <laughs> sitting there behind the television, out of the way. Um, any, any other thoughts on our little iPod Touch friend? It's pretty. I don't want it. Okay, that that's a, you also have an iPhone, Brad. Yeah, and an iPad, and a Mac, and a Mac, <laughs> and another Mac in the basement somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Um, the third of our main stories I have here is is not really a story so much as it is a, a little grouping of stories that it just struck me while scrolling through my RSS feeds that there was a theme we should talk about. And it is Apple's continuing schizophrenic approach to security. They are, and have always been for as long as I have been following Apple, simultaneously superb and awful at security. And this month's news is a little snapshot of that. So on the one hand, looking forward, we have iOS 9 and OS 10.11 El Capitan are moving to an improved, more streamlined version of two-factor auth. So you'll notice that the current version they're actually called two-step auth, and the new one they're calling two-factor auth. And some smoothness here would certainly do no harm, because the user experience isn't always great, particularly if you enable it on the account you use for messages and FaceTime. That is a really cruddy experience at the moment. So Apple are saying they're building this right into the OS. It's all going to be much more streamlined and that is going to come with us to us with these new OSs. So that's forward thinking, sensible, very good and arguably it's all a response to oh, I can't remember what gate we called it when the, the, all the Sadebs picked Stargate. Stargate. Did we call it Stargate? Okay. Well, Ken Ray called it Stargate and I thought that was a great name. Yeah, there is another name but it's not where it's not safe for work, so I'm not going to say it. <laughs> Is there? I'll tell you off air. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that's the good. And I, I, I mean, I'd actually, just out of interest, so I, I've enabled 2FA and it, it's making me cranky, but I am sticking with it. Bren, have you enabled 2FA? Nope. Victor? Yes. And yes, it makes me cranky. <laughs> me too. <laughs> okay, so you, like me, are looking forward to some smoothness, hopefully. So, yeah, if they, quote, streamline it, then yes, I'm very much looking forward to it. Like you said, Bart, so eloquently, they just have a uh, bipolar relationship with security as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, I sent them, I went to apple.com slash feedback and I let loose because I enabled two-factor auth. And the first app to ask me for an app-specific password was FaceTime. Yeah. It's your own bloody app. It doesn't do it on iOS. Why are you doing it on my Mac? So, yeah. Let's hope all of those silly things are fixed. The other two stories, then, are the other side of the coin. 
Um, so the first one is arguably, well, no, it's Apple's, it's, Apple gets some bad press in this. But anyway, I'll tell you what happened first and then we can say why it's Apple's fault. Uh, so earlier this year, we heard about an attack called Thunderstrike. And the idea with this attack was that someone would get physical access to your Mac and then they would inject malware into the controller for Thunderbolt. Now, Thunderbolt is designed by Intel so that it can connect together through any physical medium because actually a Thunderbolt cable has a little computer in each end and a Thunderbolt device has a little computer to do the Thunderbolt bit. And the logic being that we can remove the copper and replace it with fiber optics and we can keep the standard the same. But by having a computer in there, you have something that can be hacked if it's not properly secured. And so the idea with the original Thunderstrike was that you someone get physical access to the computer, they implant some malware into the Thunderbolt controller, and then every Thunderbolt... Dev- so you'd stick this malware onto a device, and every device... Every computer you plug that device into would then be hacked and start infecting Thunderbolt devices plugged into it. And so it's kind of like floppy disks in the old days. The, the, you know, you would have this sneaker net spreading virus coming through Thunderbolt. And Apple fixed the flaw that made that initial attack possible, but there were other flaws released at the same time that were not fixed. And researchers have now gone the next step and found a way of exploiting those, and this time, the big difference is no physical access needed. So the way it would work is you would browse the web and stumble across Flash exploit number 512, the attacker would get remote code execution on your Mac, at which point they could then attack your Thunderbolt. And from that point forward, every Thunderbolt device that has a certain level of braininess that you plug in becomes infected and infects every other Mac you plug it into. And so you could use the internet to turn Macs into Thunderbolt-infesting machines, and then Thunderbolt would also spread it. And so you have a virus spreading in two ways, and it all sounds quite scary. So the reason I say this is not Apple's fault is because there were four vulnerabilities reported to them at the start of the year. They have fixed a one and a half of them. They should probably have fixed the other two and a half as well. Now, don't panic. Right? On Alison's show, I say, you know, take a fire extinguisher to your head. There's no need to set your hair on fire here because the researchers have done the responsible thing and they have disclosed the details of their attack to Apple and not to the rest of the world. So Apple now have some time to fix this before it leaks out, hopefully. So that's the first thing I don't think they did too well on, but the second one they definitely, definitely, definitely deserve some shouting at. So there is a zero-day exploit which is now being actively attacked on OS X, which is there in 10.10 because an Apple programmer made a sophomoric mistake when implementing one of the new features in Yosemite. The bug is not present in 10.11, which means Apple know their mistake and have fixed their mistake, but they have not bothered their backsides to backport the the fix to 10.10. So it was only a matter of time until this was attacked, and lo and behold, the the time is now. Uh, The only slight saving grace is this is a privileged escalation vulnerability, so this is only good to an attacker who finds another way in. So in other words, flash exploit number 512 gets turned into a rootkit or whatever. So, again, why are Apple... They have a fix. They have it in 10.11. Why are they leaving us language here at 10.10? Well, I think your answer there might come down to the same answer as why didn't the iPod Nano get new software? There's probably nobody working on it. Like, there's probably literally nobody on the 10.10 team. 
Except they launched a beta 10.10.5 last week. Wait, 10? Oh. Hmm. In that case, I got no answer for you. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Bart. This definitely, I mean, obviously, like you said, they have the answer. Why they wouldn't put it into the 10.10.5 beta makes absolutely no sense. And it's also, if you understand the nature of the error, it makes you go, but what... Why was someone with such a lack of basic understanding allowed to program a part of OS X? Because the mistake they made was just ridiculous. So anyway, that, that's what I—that's why I put these two together. On the one hand, they're doing really good, giving us good, strong two-factor auth built into the OS. On the other hand, they're not doing the basic stuff like fixing the bugs they know about. So, grr. <laughs> uh, anyone else have any thoughts? I, I, I may have spent some time on my soapbox there. No, it's a nice soapbox, though. <laughs> it was time well spent, I thought. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that actually brings us to the end of our big stories. I think we were saying, I think it was in the pre-show, that it's not really a show of, it's not really been a month of big news. It's been a month of little itty bits. So we're just going to finish up with a few quick stories, which don't really you know, fall into any grouping that made any sense. So just to be aware that OS X El Cap and iOS 9 are in public beta at the moment. So if you have a spare device that is not your main device, that does not result in you being able to pay your rent or not, you can play with it if you like. But it is beta and it will break things. And actually, the developers are all cheering with joy because if you're running the beta, you cannot leave a review on the App Store. On iOS. Yeah, that's important. On the Mac Mac App Store, you still can. And Craig Hockenberry is very unhappy about that <laughs> because he makes Mac apps. Yeah, yeah he's a developer of uh, Twitterific. Yeah, and before on iOS, I mean, if you ever looked at those, they just filled them with flame wars and just you know hate. It just it's it's unbelievable. Worthless. I actually like, I actually wrote to a, a couple of the podcasts saying, do you think Apple should just disable? app store reviews for for devices in beta and about three days later they did it I was like oh i didn't think i was that smart Brilliant. yeah <laughs> um again a recurring theme has been in tim cook's apple has been apple's activity in it, it, it's not politics as in republican or democrat it's politics as in civics i guess mm-hmm Social causes. Social causes. Thank you. I knew there was a word for it. So there are two stories in that regard this month. So the White House have launched an American Business Act on Climate Pledge, which Apple, of course, raced to sign. And given how they're running their data centers and stuff, I guess they're just pledging to keep doing what they've already been doing because they're very forward thinking in this regard. So that at least is good. And also Apple and a number of other tech companies have joined in support for the LGBT Non-Discrimination Act. I think a lot of people are unaware of the fact that in mo- most American states you can be fired or not given a house just for being gay, which right. I think people think that's illegal already, but it isn't. And Correct. Congress is trying to make it so. It's not going to pass without a lot of people shouting at them because the Republicans are in charge of the house and they just don't do non-discrimination. So anyway, Apple are on board with that as well. Well, I mean, I think it's a great step. It's about time. Uh, I think I think there is a the pendulum is swinging the right way here in America towards this kind of a thing. Uh, you know, respecting the rights of others, regardless of sex, gender, or sexual orientation. And without a doubt, the LGBT community uh, has contributed greatly uh, in the United States uh, corporate world. So, um, hooray for Apple, and others should follow suit. So, 
Yeah. In the climate change story, I was really surprised that I don't see companies like Monsanto and the oil companies there, you know, shame on them. You know, they're the ones that need to get on board. Well, that's true. They have the most to pledge about. Yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, that's true, but it's also good to see the, the, the weight of big companies like Apple behind the pledge, even if it they is. don't have any particular, you know, <laughs> if they don't have as, as, as many policies to change as someone like Monsanto or Exxon. Right. Yeah. Well, it, it, again, doing this kind of thing keeps keeps Apple focused on doing the right thing. So. Yeah, and it, and it keeps the public, uh, public mind focused on what the right thing is. Uh, the next story I put in just because it's so nice to have Apple and Samsung in the one sentence and have it be a good news story. So Apple and Samsung are working together, not something I say very often, on a standard that will, the, with the standards authority for this kind of stuff, to create an electronic SIM. So no more need for a physical SIM card and the standard would then be industry-wide if Apple, Samsung and the standards body can all get together and make it work. So they haven't got to a finished product yet, but they, all, they are all around the one table cooperating with each other, which is definite, definite progress. So I just thought we should say something nice. Yeah, bravo. Although in fairness to Apple and Samsung, they, uh, Samsung does still make a, a good portion of the, the guts of the iPhone. So That is also true. But yeah, and Apple tried to give that work to other people, and they were not very good at it. I, th- I think it suits them to to uh, to, to work with Samsung, Samsung and that stuff, anyways. Uh, Apple have also hired Doug Betts, who is a car expert from a company called Fiat Chrysler. People may be familiar with. So it would appear that the not official, but probably almost certainly happening, Apple Car is continuing apace. And then finally, finally, just because there haven't been enough movie trailers about Steve Jobs, there's another movie trailer for another Steve Jobs movie, which is not the Aaron Sorkin one, which is Steve Jobs, The Man in the Machine. And I guess what makes this one different is that it's a documentary rather than sort of a... I was going to say fantasy, but that's the wrong word. Um, <laughs> docudrama. Docudrama. Docu- yes, yes, exactly. Or so, a biopic. I'm sorry, I think biopic is the right word. I hate that word. <laughs> yeah. Should it be biopic? That sounds like a, a procedure. In this case, it might be myopic. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So, yeah, one of the Apple execs think this documentary is mean-spirited. But yeah, it looked interesting in the trailer, but what can you tell from a trailer? I, I think it's great. I mean, documentaries, I love documentaries, so I'm looking forward to it and, and you know, seeing some of the footage from the source. Uh, that being said, enough already. <laughs> well, they, these guys are very clearly cashing in on the hype of the Sorkin film by releasing their film a week before the Sorkin one. So Exactly. Well, I mean, the, for for an indie film like that, that's pretty much the only chance they're going to get of any kind of mainstream grip. Right. Possibly. So anyway, plenty for us to, to, to watch in the cinemas, I guess, coming up. So uh, that brings us to... Oh, my goodness, we're being very timely this month. <laughs> I guess small panels and slow news months make for a short show, which is no harm because I haven't had my dinner yet and it's getting late. <laughs> so, guys, thank both of you very much for joining us for the panel. So, um, I'm going, yeah, reverse order would be Victor first. So, Victor, thank you very much for being here. And can you let the listeners know where else they can hear you? Absolutely. Um, you can find me on Twitter. It's V-I-C-T-O-R-C-A-J-I-A-O. And if you want to hear... Uh, podcast i do a show with george starcher called articulate which is a-r-t-e-c-h-u-l-a-t-e dot info 
And George and I basically do a wrap-up on our previous month's life of geekery. And George and I are very different kind of geeks. So the conversations go in quite different directions sometimes. Um, but it's like you're listening in to a phone call with George and I, basically. That's the premise of the show. Well, I have to say, I've been thoroughly enjoying them. Um, I was going to say I wish you'd do them more than monthly, but then I do monthly podcasts too, so what can I say? <laughs> yeah, when it's for fun and for free, even though I'm retired, uh, it's, um, it, it's tough. And, and George works really hard, so it's hard to even get a one-to-month thing. Well, as I say, it's going really well, so I look forward to your next episode, especially since you're going to be talking about something I want, an iTunes replacement. (laughs) Oh, we're going to talk about all kinds of interesting stuff this month. (laughs) (laughs) Good stuff. Poor George was quite cranky in the last episode. (laughs) Wait till you hear him after I challenged him to open iTunes, and he did, and it broke. He's going to get back at me big time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. I was rather hoping that would have fixed this problem, but I guess not. (laughs) Okay. Um, also, Victor, you're, I don't know if you, I, I forgot if you'd mentioned, you're also one of the Mac Roundtable guys. So MacRoundtable.com. And you were on the most recent episode, which came out a week or two ago. Yes. Yes. I expanded on my uh, thoughts on music, which are kind of unique in the space, I think. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely an edge case there as well. True. Again, a thoroughly enjoyable show as well. So if, if everyone's iPod isn't full yet, there's another few shows to stick to it. <laughs> Uh, Bren, thank you for joining us. Um, do you want to tell people where they can find you on the internets? Yeah, um, I've got my my blog, which is kind of music and and culture type blog, uh, which is at brendanfinan.net. dot uh, net, and on Twitter, I'm at brenfinan. That's b r e n f i n a n. Excellent. Thank you very much. Uh, you will find full detailed show notes with all with links to all the stories we've talked about at lets-talk.ie. And when you happen to be there, there'll be two big blue buttons on the top left sidebar under the heading support the show. It would be quite nice if people did so from time to time. Um, there's a link to Patreon. The idea with Patreon is that you pledge X amount of dollars per show. Now, it's one Patreon account for the two podcasts. So what that means is if you pledge $1, that will be $2 a month, one for the Apple show, one for the photography show. Uh, Patreon didn't make it easy for me to split those up, so apologies about that. But, you know, it's basically whatever you'd like to pledge, divide by two, and then away you go. Uh, and then also a plain old-fashioned PayPal link. Now... There's also great ways to support the show that don't involve spending any money whatsoever. Uh, basically, go to iTunes, find the show, and review it. And, you know, please give it a few stars more than none. That would be much appreciated. <laughs> Quite a few more than none, in fact, would be really nice. Uh, and, again, thank you very much to everyone who does support the show. The Patreon supporters in particular are real patrons of the show, and they make it possible to keep doing it. So thank you, guys. You guys rock, as another podcaster would say. <laughs> Okay, well, I've been your host, uh, Bart Bouchot. You can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time, happy computing. You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hello, people. My name's Peter Bird, and I am the host of the Deep Look podcast. The idea behind the show is that we talk to our guests, and we learn more about them, the subjects, the people, the things that shape their lives, or the things they're interested in, or the things they would possibly want to know more about. Basically, we just like to look a little deeper and see what's there, and to learn. 
if that appeals to you or you like that idea or if even if you have a guest that you think we should try and speak to then come on by and give us a go we are part of the stoplight network